We're going to begin in the first few chapters, first three chapters of the book of Revelation, and the title for each lesson is going to be The Things That Are, because that's the present church age that Christ is talking about. But before we do that, I want to remind us, as I remind myself, that all teaching has to have practical application. All sound teaching that Paul taught and the apostles, it has to lead to holy living. Otherwise, you should never read scripture. You should live your own life and do as you please. Because knowledge that does not lead to application is useless in the spiritual realm. Bible teaching and information that does not lead to further obedience and holy living is useless and should be discarded. That's why we have millions of people who study scripture and quote scripture, yet they have no wisdom, they have no spiritual life in them. Many of them are like the Corinthians at first. They were big on acquiring knowledge, but they had no wisdom and they were not spiritual in those areas. And the Lord rejected their lifestyle through Paul and warned them that perhaps they were being disqualified from Christianity. So they say, or scientists tell us, that the first 30 years of our lives, the brain is geared more to acquiring information and knowledge. That's why they say it's easier to learn languages and new things. But after the 30 years, it appears the brain changes mainly over to assimilation and the use of that knowledge. So we can see how God set this up in a sense. No one in the pharisaical world, no one under the law and the priesthood was considered spiritually mature and able to teach until they were 30 years old, which is interesting, even in the early church. That's why Paul had to encourage Timothy not to let people despise his youth. He was in his 20s because that was an accepted thinking, even in the Roman world, till you got to be about 30, they considered you still childish and immature, even though you were an adult. And so we see that those in their 20s in the New Covenant, having the Spirit, were not bound by that. They could learn and acquire spiritual things by yielding to the Spirit. And so Timothy was basically acting as an apostle, and Paul was warning him, don't let the older people and those who think they're smart, don't let them usurp your authority. Don't let them try to put you in a lesser place. You have authority to reprove and correct them and deal with them. So this is the advantage of those who have the Holy Spirit. There's a natural thing that most normal kids are not mature in the world until they hit their early 20s. We don't find children's ministries in the New Testament. We do not find the emphasis because their main job is to learn from their parents and learn how to be obedient when the parents teach scripture and principles. We have no place or example where any teenager or child has a ministry. They cannot. To have ministry, you must be able to answer spiritually to the Lord himself. So you cannot be immature. 
You have to be able to discern between good and evil. You have to enter spiritual warfare. You have to be held accountable. And children and young teens have not reached, even from the natural realm, any type of maturity that makes them capable of doing these things. In general, we're seeing that knowledge, the Corinthians misused it. Knowledge puffs up. Paul warned them. Instead of it producing practical application, they prided themselves. I have to say over 50 years, and people that I've known that go into seminaries, I have to say 99%, when they come out, they're worse off than they went in. Most of the seminaries are not teaching sound doctrine. They're teaching systems and accommodation, uh, how to grow a church, how to be popular. All this has nothing to do with spiritual wisdom or spiritual ways. See, the world has crept in and taken over basically all of the religious systems that we know of. The true church is a spiritual church of true Christians who are serving the Lord. Organization, institution, all of these are negative. Unless the person in it is spiritual, has no value whatsoever, and God and the Spirit does not sustain it. He's not into organization and denomination. Because see, when people cease to be spiritual, then the worldly so-called Christian, which he isn't, he takes over and keeps promoting the system when he has no spiritual wisdom, when he has no guidance. And so that institution, that locality where they meet, does not have a lampstand of the Lord. It's not a viable church. See, because it has to be maintained by at least some spiritual mature Christians, two or three, as Jesus said, before it could be a gathering of the body of Christ. So most of what we see in here is nothing but information, knowledge, even knowledge of Scripture. A retaining of scripture for the mind. But knowledge puffs up. That kind of knowledge, uh, that it has no spiritual value. The person's better off not having it or using it. But what God is interested in is we acquire knowledge, and the knowledge ends up being wisdom. So knowledge is information about. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So until we get that, You can study the Bible day and night. You can quote all of Scripture and not have an ounce of wisdom. Because until the Spirit enlightens, see, it's a spiritual thing, he's the one who gives revelation. That's why the majority of so-called ministers and seminary people and so-called brilliant educated, they have no real relationship with the Lord. He is retained, as he did against the priests and the Pharisees. He's hidden wisdom from them. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you hid these things from the intellectual and the wise of the world, is what he meant. And you revealed it to the babes and the simple, those who are willing to not only hear the word, but to practice it. See, most intellectuals hear it, but they want to philosophize it. They want to debate it. They want to argue, but they want no application. Therefore, they have no spiritual life, and the Holy Spirit uh, retains wisdom from them. See, people have a hard time with this because they're not spiritual. They don't know how to rightly handle God's Word. So knowledge, again, 
even spiritual knowledge, and that's what all knowledge should come to the Christian, the scripture says the wicked shall never understand. Doesn't matter how intellectual he is, God keeps wisdom from him. And yet Paul praying in Ephesus to the body of Christ, he said, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and understanding. He doesn't give this automatically, and it doesn't come by studying scripture. See, that's just the part. We have to retain and remember, but until the Spirit applies it, interprets it, and gives us spiritual understanding, it's spiritually useless. So most of the churches, denominations, seminaries, they're not of the Lord, but they're very intellectual. And that's why the simple people, simple don't have to be ignorant. People with a fifth grade education can be deeply spiritual, and they have a better chance at it than the brilliant intellectual, because his pride's going to keep him from being humble. That's why the Apostle Paul said, look at your Christian calling. There are not many wise. There are not many noble. There are not many rich. He already makes it plain. So the more intellectual a society becomes, we can say the odds are harder for the people if they're not going to humble themselves before the Lord they're going to get more deceived. It's going to be harder for these people to get saved. God didn't change the way he does things. So the rich and the mighty, they have to come down deeper if they want to serve the Lord. See, God goes at their arrogance and their pride, and he doesn't need their natural abilities if they're not going to submit and obey the Spirit of the Lord. So in our teaching, we want wisdom. We do not want to keep acquiring knowledge. It avails us nothing. And I've known people over the 50 years, and they quote Scripture, and they can debate Scripture, and I have to walk away and say they're not even saved. They don't even know what it means to be a Christian. Oh, they, they give lip service, but their very lifestyle and actions prove they're not being led of the Lord and they're finding their own life, and they use religion to get attention for themselves. It's pride. It's called the pride of life. So many people are religious because they like the attention. Many people go into it because they want to be popular, and if you teach false doctrine, you'll be very popular in this world. You can have mega churches if you're willing to compromise God's word because the majority of the people are worldly and carnal and indifferent, and they don't want the truth. They want to be lied to and accommodate it. They want to be told, no matter what I do, I'm a Christian and God loves me. And then they can live their life until judgment day. Okay, God has deceived the masses and he will continually do this. He has not changed in his thinking and his dealings. And as the times get darker, and the Antichrist period comes, God's going to send a lion spirit. He said he's going to do it to delude the nations. And a false prophet, the Antichrist, they're going to do this. But God, through Paul, made it very plain why. Because they love not to acknowledge the truth. It means somewhere along the line, through their conscience, through the gospel, through messages, they were given some truth and some grace, and they did not move on it. They did not accept it and they kept rejecting it. And so God says, then I will send them 
a strong delusion that they shall believe a lie and be damned. You have to understand this is God doing this. Don't blame it on the devil. The devil is God's servant, whether he likes it or not. So those who reject the spirit of truth, God sends lying spirits. And that's why most of so-called Christendom is false Christianity. Most of the two billion people who claim to be Christians are false. They're not true Christians. And it's going to be, as we've said many times, as Noah's time, as Lot's time. And in each case, only one person was saved and stay safe because of their relationship. Their family got in because they obeyed their earthly father. So, so we under, But it was Noah that found grace with God. It was Lot alone who was righteous before the Lord. And though Jesus is the one who tells us that's how it's going to be before the Lord returns. Well, it has to build up to that place, and we're there now, that we're entering times of sorrow. We're entering, and I've noticed in the last 30 years, a change mainly in the 70s, you cannot find sound teaching, sound exhortation, not on the radio, not on the television. You used to be able to get some and siphon some out, but it's changing. See, because it's going to get darker, and the people love it so. Says the prophets. The prophet said what? And the Lord speaking, he said uh, that the people, it said the priests, or the, that would be the ministers today, they rule by their own authority. They teach and do as they please. Says the prophets prophesy falsely. They tell the people what they want to hear instead of what the word of the Lord is. And the scripture says, and the people love it so. Well, we're there. And the people love it so. But the great question comes, but what will they do at the end? We know what they'll do. They'll be judged and cast into the lake of fire. That's going to be the end of the wicked and the rebellious and the disobedient to the Lord. Because all of those who forget God, the psalmist says, will be turned into hell. Okay, so now we're going to begin, lay some foundation before we go in to the three chapters of Revelation and mainly deal with the seven churches. Okay, and we will see their practical application. The things that are, as we read this, we will see he's talking about the church age, the new covenant time, until the Lord returns as judge and king. That happened from Pentecost, and we're in that period until the Lord bodily returns as judge and king. Okay, So we'll cover things that we know and uh, we need to be reminded of. See, that's why most people cannot go on into spiritual things. They acquire knowledge, but because they do not obey and follow the Spirit, they can have no wisdom and they cannot progress spiritually. I've said it so many times, your knowledge of Scripture has no value if there's no spiritual application. And if you're not going to obey your conscience and be led of the Spirit, you're better off not reading Scripture because it's not going to help you. And it will be used to judge you one day because then you're revealing that you have the knowledge, but you chose not to yield to it. And therefore, God did not give you spiritual understanding. So we're seeing then, we want to be reminded, the Christian has to always be reminded. 
That was one of the reasons the Apostle Peter wrote his epistle. We find all of the apostles and John, they wrote of practical application and practical godliness. They weren't interested in people having all this information just to tickle their ear. See, it served no value. Okay, so first of all, the Apostle John, we're going to find what he wrote, his epistles, his epistles, and the gospel he wrote, and then he writes out. He didn't write it himself. He dictated it, the book of Revelation, because it was a prophecy. And he did this many years after, at least 20 years after the death of Peter and Paul. So it's worth reading here so we can get somewhat uh, what Peter was reminding us of when the apostolic age was coming to an end, and his was, and he knew it. So let's go first to Second Peter. People read these few verses daily. It would enlighten them. It would keep them from a lot of deception. But see, people don't keep reminding themselves. So the devil steals the word. He alters it. If you keep studying and obeying the word, it will enlighten you to the truth. It will keep you from lies and deceptions, okay? Second Peter chapter 1, we'll read 12 through 15. Therefore, I will not be negligent to remind you, remember the word he uses, always. See, always means continuous. He's saying, I'm going to give you one reminder. Scripture reminds, corrects, instructs consistently. It doesn't stop. As long as there's warfare, as long as we have enemies, we constantly need to be in tune and know how to use our weapons to the warfare and how to continue in the Lord. There's no new knowledge. We often just need to redo and remind ourselves of what we know and how to apply it. Always to remind you of these things, though you know them and are established in the present truth. Many people do not get established in the present truth. Therefore, they cannot move on. They remain babies for a while and then they fall away. They go back to the world system. They think like the world. See, they don't progress. And if you don't progress, you fall away. There is no stationary place in the Lord. As I've said constantly, there are no baby Christians after 5 and 10 and 15 years. They're either backsliders or they're false Christians. Because God has no spiritually retarded children. People cannot blame anybody else. If they have half a brain and study scripture, they do not have to stay babies and God's not going to allow them to. See? People pamper them too much. These people who claim to be Christians and spirit-filled, they know all the baseball scores. They know all the players. They know everything about them. They know all the Hollywood people. They know everything, and yet some of them can't name ten books of the Bible. See, They've already revealed they're not serious about spiritual things, and therefore they don't get anything. I don't say it to my credit or to glory, but the first few years I was a teenage Christian, I studied Scripture two or three hours a day. And when people try to say, oh, you're so good. No, I'm not. I applied what God told me to do, and I saw it 
as being disobedient not to labor in the word. So people that give God five and ten minutes a day will show you what they're going to get. They're going to get deception. See? It doesn't work. They have to labor. And if they can labor in the world and give their time and everything else, but they can't do it in prayer or in Scripture and following the Lord, then they're not going to be saved. See? People don't like it, but Jesus did say, the way is narrow and very difficult, he said. How narrow and few there be that find it. Well, that's from the Lord himself. And that's when he's answering Peter when Peter said, are there many going to be saved? And he said, no. He says, for the way is narrow, very narrow, and difficult. See, the person has to not only fight the fight to get into the kingdom, he must do it to stay there. That's very contrary to so much of the false teachings, false security, and false peace that's out there. So he's saying to be established in the present truth. If you're not established in the present truth, whether you're a babe in Christ, a mature, wherever you're at, if you're not obeying your conscience and you're not attempting to obey the Lord and keep short accounts with him, you're not established, you will not go on spiritually. See, that's why many, they were babies for a while, and then God got tired of them being babies. He expected progression and movement, but they want to stay where they're at. But they can't. They think they're okay, but they're not. Like I said, they're lost. They've been given over to deception. God has no spiritually retarded children. You either progress in the kingdom or you're cut off. You produce fruit and more fruit or the Father cuts you off from Christ. It's very simple if people want to know the truth. Like we said, the way of the righteous, the scripture says, is made plain. Yet the wicked shall never understand. So the great thing that leads and helps most people into hell is deception, is lies. And the thing that keeps them on the narrow path is truth. The truth of God's word, the truth of where they're at in Christ, and the spirit of truth. So we see these two opposing forces, light and darkness, truth and lies. Yet, he's saying, I think it is right. As long as I am in this body, this is his last epistle. He dies soon after this, or is put to death. It says, as long as I'm in the tent, the body, it's to stir you up by reminding you. So again, he's used the word, I want to remind you, okay? Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. He showed him that after his resurrection. He told Peter many years, 20, 30-some years before, how he was going to die for him. He warned him. And so he was being prepared this whole time. And then he knew when the end was coming. With apostles and prophets and those deep with the Lord, death rarely catches them by surprise. See? The more they yield to the Lord, the more the Lord gives them. He prepares them. Paul knew it. He knew when his time was coming to the end. Okay? Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after I'm dead. So three times in these three verses or so, he's using the word remind you. And he's talking to the Christian. 
He's talking to those who established in the truth and are moving with the Lord, okay? This is who he's talking to. So Peter, it is believed, was martyred under Rome, under Emperor Nero's reign, it believed between 66 and 68. And Paul's last epistle was Second Timothy, and it's believed it was written in about the same period, or 67 AD. So we're saying a minimum of 20 years, up to 25 or 28 years, before the Apostle John writes any of his writings. That's interesting. No one else wrote in between that period, which is interesting also. So as I've said once, reading and acquiring knowledge does not make a person spiritual. I once talked to a person, and this was a true person, many years ago. And they were very brilliant and very intellectual in this world. I would say very brilliant. And he said to me, he said, I've read the whole Bible, so I don't need to do it again. I almost laughed at his face, but I said, no, he means this. See, because he has no spiritual comprehension of what he's saying. There's no spirituality in it. See, it's head knowledge. But he did read the whole Bible. And he still remained, uh, 10 or 20 years later, when I still knew him, unspiritual and lost in his sins. But he was brilliant. But see, all he got was some information. And even that never turned to wisdom and never had any yieldedness to the Lord. And therefore, the Spirit did not enlighten him, did not give him any spiritual wisdom. So it was in vain that he read the Bible. It did not help him in the least. So in general, as I've said, God hides spiritual wisdom and knowledge from the wise of this world, from the wicked, and those who do not respond to his conviction and to the Holy Spirit drawing them. So they can deal, they can reject it, and most of them do. So he only reveals spiritual wisdom and knowledge and the deep things of God to those who submit and follow Christ. It's very practical. Therefore, the majority of professing Christians cannot get it because the majority of professing Christians, and I'm talking about those who claim to be spirit-filled too, are not obeying the Lord in their daily life. They are not correcting themselves, judging themselves when they're in error. They come to places that God wants something dealt with, and they refuse to do it. From that time on, you cannot progress spiritually. See, they don't understand this. Oh, they're active. Like the Sardis Church, ever named they're alive. They're very active, very busy, very religious. And yet we'll find Jesus said, but you're dead. Laodicea, busy, had money, prospered. And the world, everything was going so well, they were finding their life. And Jesus said, you had no righteousness. You're blind and deceived. And see, they claimed to be Christians, both of them, but they were not. So in your life, if you do not deal with what the Spirit's dealing with, you cannot go on spiritually. You cannot make up to it by doing something else. So God's not interested in that. A lot of people, they won't do what they feel the Lord's telling them to do, but they'll sacrifice and do something else. It's not acceptable to God. It's like the teenager. 
to get his allowance and to get extra stuff, he's told, okay, you go out and clean the garage on Saturday. Well, he don't like doing that, so he decides he'll wash his father's car. Well, that's good and nice he did that, but the father says, the problem is you didn't obey me. You served me on your terms. I cannot accept this. See, so there are people who think they can serve the Lord the way they want to. See, because that proves the Lord is not Lord, and they don't understand their obligation and their duty to the Lord. And see, so those are the people. When I used to do a lot of phone counseling many years ago, I'd say a good portion of the people could not go on spiritually, and I told them. They'd finally come up and say, I'd say, well, something's going on, because if you don't hear from the Lord and your conscience bothers you, you've done something wrong or you haven't done. And they always come up with something. I said, well, that you have your answer. And then they give me excuses. Well, why well, I'm not going to do that. And I can't do that. And my family won't like it or I don't want to do it. I said, well, that's irrelevant. Then you cease following the Lord. Don't call him Lord. You don't pamper these people. The false teachers pamper them and encourage them in their lies and their disobedience. The true minister of the word of God cannot do this because God doesn't do this. So always with the Lord, it is you take up the cross daily and follow him or you get out of the kingdom. See, Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you? Well, multitudes are saying, Lord, and they confess Jesus as the Son of God, and they believe they're saved. Well, they may have been at one time, but if they do not follow the Lord, it won't happen. See, the Scripture, God takes it away from them. See, the false shepherd confirms them in their lies. That's why they stay religious, and yet they stay in their sins and disobedient, and they refuse to follow the Lord in a practical way. And they have a bunch of excuses, but the Lord doesn't accept excuses. He reminds the person, if they're listening, you're mine. Everything you have and are is mine. You're a bondservant. You're a slave, even though you're my child. And unless you obey me, you can't stay in my kingdom. See, the prodigal son left because he didn't want to submit to the authority of the father. And the father was grieved at this. And he did come back, and he repented. And the father made it very plain. When he left the house, he said, my son, which was dead, is alive again. He considered him dead in relationship. And that's what happens in backslider. Until they repent and turn back to the Lord, it doesn't matter what kind of experience they have. I think so many people live in a backslidden state, and they go back to some experience and they think that proves they're a Christian. Proves nothing. They cease to bear fruit. They cease to follow the Lord. And the Father cuts them off from Christ. He does not bear with them for years. See, that's a lie. He does not hound them. We'll find that even in one of the churches, the Lord reproving those for false teaching and stuff. And his word to them was, repent quickly. Lest I take your lampstand. What is he saying? To the individual, that means if you don't get right now and soon, I'm going to remove your spiritual life from you. I'm going to remove grace and Christ and his spirit from you. That's still the word that Christ is giving. 
and that majority of professing spirit-filled Christians are most likely in that state. So it's the practical deal with your conscience and deal with what you know to deal with. And like I say, and those who desire to know his doctrine, Jesus said, will know it. But if you fight against your conscience, you fight against when you're convicted and you sense and know you should do something or not do something, you're not going on spiritually. You'll go on and be deceived. And I know people personally that were sound teachers, and they can still teach, but they know they're not right with God. And I've had to shock a few of them and say, that's because you're on your way to hell. I said, it's not what you teach. It's what you live that God. Well, I do this and I do. I said, yeah, that's all good and well, but you're living in adultery for three years and you claim to be a pastor. I said, you're lost and on your way to hell. See, they're not used to someone telling them that. Well, God understands and he's bearing with me and he's so loving and patient. They're misinterpreting the wrong scriptures at the wrong time. See, in the early church, Paul, the apostles, they did not put up with gross sin. They didn't say just love them, get rid of them. They're not going to follow the Lord. Don't tolerate their gross sin. Get them away from the body of Christ. They're a bad influence. Well, that's not loving. No, that's the way the world thinks of love. That's what the false Christian want. God loves me unconditionally. There's no scripture that says that. The only thing you can get closest to is God's nature in general. He has goodwill and love for mankind and even a sinner. But it's not a love that's going to save that person. Unless they repent and follow the Lord, they're going to hell. And up until the gates of hell, God desires that they repent and turn to the Lord because he wishes to extend grace and mercy. But if they don't, they go straight into the lake of fire at the final judgments, and God will never give them a second thought again. See, that's the wrath and horror of God against the sinner and the wicked. And see, that's not taught, and therefore people have no proper fear of the Lord. Paul said two or three times in the book of Acts, when he immediately preached the gospel and got people saved, he said, and if you continue in the faith, you are my disciples indeed. Notice he said what the condition was. A disciple and believer is one and the same. False teachers, oh, Jesus is my Savior, he's not my Lord. That's from the devil, has no bearing in Scripture. He's your Savior and Lord, or he's neither. And it says also you must continue in the grace of God. That's what Paul said there. So much for once saved, always saved. He didn't say, now you've said this prayer. He said, no, you have to continue in the grace of God. For through much tribulation, we're going to enter the kingdom. Much warfare and troubles. And then he also said to continue in the fear of the Lord. Well, when people don't understand the fear of the Lord, they cannot retain spiritual wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is not only a reverence for God, but it is a dread to sin against him. See, that's what's involved. That's why he warns and admonishes, don't put yourself in a position where God is going to turn and judge you or withdraw his grace, because he will do it. See, He has no favorites. He's no respecter of persons. Don't matter who you are, if you turn to sin, God will deal with you, 
the same as he deals with all sinners. There are no special people there. So the fear of the Lord is to have a reverence to obey him and a dread to sin against him. Because if you sin against him, ultimately judgment will come. And with some people, it's final. He cuts them off in their iniquity. People will fear God more and respect him if they understand just a few scriptures. He said, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I'll harden whom I'll harden. He never hardens people until they play with his grace. He doesn't just do that on. God is not whimsical. The person that plays with his grace and sins against it, he can decide, I don't care to deal with this person. See, that's his prerogative. He doesn't owe them anything. And he can look back and say, look at the grace I showed this person. Look at the years I let him live when I could have sent him to hell at any moment. And now I'm going to withdraw grace. I'm going to make an example of him like he did Ananias and Sophia, struck them dead, and they went to hell. And they were believers, and they were in the Lord. And what's interesting, what the scripture says, people forget. And when God struck them dead in in the presence of Peter, it says, and fear came upon the church. didn't say fear came upon the sinner. Fear came upon the godly. They said, oh, you know, look what happened to them. And if I do what they do, the same thing can happen to me. So we're seeing then that just reading scripture means nothing if you're not going to be led of the Lord. Again, to repeat, he hides wisdom and knowledge because it's spiritual. He's not hiding information. He's hiding spiritual from those who will not submit to the Lord. If you follow the Lord, you cannot but obey your conscience and the leading of the Holy Spirit. For as Paul said, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God, those who are led of the Spirit. That cuts it right clear. And I've told people, I don't care about your experiences. I don't care about prophecies. If you're not led of the Spirit, then ultimately you are not a child of God. You won't put up with it. Let's go ahead and take a break here.